win. I am down and willing, so I will find a way. It took a minute, now it didn't happen right away. When they get hot in the kitchen, you decide to stay. That's how it winners made. Stick a fork in the hater on my dinner plate. I walk into the fire like it's just a bit. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Clydesdale Media Podcast, our interview series. My name is Scott Switz from the Clydesdale. I have with me today, Jamie Latimer, and soon we'll have Jason Grubb with us. Um, he's having a delivery come to his house just as we were getting started. Uh, he just needs a minute or two, and he'll be hopping on with us. So we're here. We're going to talk some master stuff. So before we, before Jason hops on, it was announced where Masters is finally, where it's going to be. Um Birmingham, Alabama, Labor Day weekend. What are your thoughts? I mean, you know my thoughts. I think the same as the teens is crazy, <laughs> but again, they, you know, I, they were obviously scrambling here at the end, having to sign something before the Open started, and they had to take what they could get, and I, at least it's out before the Open, and we have the information, and we can do with it as we please at this point. Um, Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to thank everybody in the chat for welcoming me back. Uh, This is kind of a test run. Jamie is my crutch. Uh, She's going to help me get through this interview. We're going to see how it goes. Um, And that'll kind of depend on the schedule going forward. Um, The the biggest disappointment for me and, and our team is that we have been diving deep into teen and masters coverage this off season mm-hmm. and we're really geared up to kind of cover both this off season. And I feel like, I feel like CrossFit and legends and the powers that be didn't really think about the media aspect of having these two events on the same weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not only media, but like I said, this on the, our Thursday night, like, it's it's the biggest shared pool of viewership, spectatorship, everything. And you're like, you're cutting probably that in half for both venues, both live stream. You're making people choose which one they're going to cover. Um, it's, it's crazy to me. I, yeah. And, and yeah, who, if you have a media team like you, which one do you choose to go to? Um, I mean, that's going to be the case for coaches, families, um, things like that, too. Which one do you go to? What if you have a teen and a, and a mom that both compete? Most, most third-party media companies are not big enough to split between the two events. Right. right. You might have a couple that can do that. We may try to do that. But we're gonna we're gonna have to see how it falls because it's gonna be it's gonna be rough that these two major events that everybody's saying is they are the CrossFit games. Like Bob even said on an interview recently, uh, Bob with Legends, that he didn't care if Legends was in the name. Like it is the CrossFit games to them. And so you have these CrossFit games that won't be able to be covered by everybody. It's going to be a master cluster. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. 
Oh, Corey, I hope you go. I hope you get on a team, Corey, Corey and, you know, I hope you're there. I'm not too tall to be your crutch. We're like the same height. Right here on my shoulder. Saying that a male is your height is... is yeah. Not helpful, but. And I'm sure. <laughs> you might have like a half inch on me, Corey. I don't know about that. <clears throat> I think you're pretty much the same height, but um, I, it's, it just was the biggest blow to me probably in this whole off season was finding out they were on the same weekend. Um, <clears throat> you've also talked to me about, and we want to talk to Jason about this, but you know, there's been some announcements about the kit, uh, the the apparel kit, and maybe falling short of what you would get in the past. And I said to you, that sucks because that's what legitimizes a master's athlete as an elite athlete. Yeah. Post on Instagram in your games gear, it, it automatically gives you a legitimate legitimization that you can't get anywhere else. You don't yeah. have the name that Matt Frazier has or Rich Froning or those guys, right? <clears throat> so you need these things to help you market yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, we say this all the time. It's not like all about the money. The money isn't there in the, team or in the masters as it is for for individuals it's not i mean it's nothing to shake a stick at like it's pretty decent especially in the 35 39 but that's like one person is going to win a decent amount of money so the there's tons of athletes you hear this all the time and i know people say it's not the right mindset um but there's a big subset of athletes that are just trying to make it to the semis, just trying to get to the games. There's a lot of people who aren't like, I'm going and winning the games. That's a very, very few. Maybe your top 10 are saying that. Maybe a top 20 say it. But I think in their heart of hearts, they know they're just going to try to podium, try to be top 10. There's a big, big, big chunk of people who are just trying to get there. And they're trying to get there for this kit. And somewhat the notoriety, but like that, that is probably three grand worth of stuff, six pairs of shoes, six outfits, a, a duffel bag, a backpack, an entire like weren't like you get a sweatshirt, a zip up hoodie, a whole warm up set. Um, nice, nice like jacket. It's, it's an insane amount of stuff. So much gear um, that from my understanding is being pulled and oh there he is can i throw him in i had to stage there he hey is. guys well 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 the joys of home ownership huh <laughs> so great <laughs> getting uh i think we have i think we just received eight thousand pounds of rock to move so um yeah i got a job to do be fun. Thank God. Thank God you CrossFit. <laughs> thank God a CrossFit uh, is correct. 
And I like to take on these big old huge projects from time to time that are just totally overwhelming at the wrong time of year. So that's what I've decided to do. And uh, yeah, it all has to do with water management around this place. It Did you know in, in Birmingham, Alabama, Alabama gets more rain than Seattle, Washington? Interesting. Now you know. I did not know that. I did not know yes. that. No. no one knows that. Uh, it doesn't rain all the time, but when it rains, it's insane. Um, Got it. So we are, are we back up to a mountain and there's a mountain of water. There's the water that just kind of runs off that mountain for days, creates like small rivers in our yard. So we're creating a French drain and we're, it's <laughs> love fun facts that Jason grew up. Um, so yeah, we are, uh, we're, we're learning. And so anyway, it's, it's a big old project. I rented an excavator. I've never used an excavator. So I, it's, I've bitten off a big chunk here. Yeah. Well, that is awesome because you have nothing else else to do with your life. With everything, you know, I'm not that right big. It's 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 crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. When the guy was like, "Hey, I'm running ten minutes late," I'm like, "Oh man, okay." Because I have like two podcasts and a media. Whatever Thursdays are my days to get things done. Um, it's a rest day from training or recovery day, which I'll still do something later, but. Um, it frees me up in the mornings, but then that's when deliveries happen, podcasts happen, all kinds of fun things. But um, Scott, you are, you're doing better? Uh, I'm doing better. I'll say that. Good. Uh, today is test day for me. Uh, I have Jamie yeah. on with me as a crutch um, so she can help me with this lift and yes. uh, see where we're at, kind of, if I can get back to doing full interviews or not totally totally well uh welcome back i hope it goes perfectly yeah. well that never happens so if that happened uh god <laughs> win -win. involved um, yeah but i wanted to last time we had you on we had a few technical issues and you had to like split pretty early so i wanted to clean up a couple things yeah first of all everybody we have jason grub with us four-time CrossFit Games champion um, and won every off-season competition this year that he entered. So on a roll, I want to talk to you about 10 years ago, you made a transformation. What were you doing before that transformation and what was the catalyst that got you to make that change? Man, I wish it was... In, I wish it was more inspirational, uh, but I, prior to CrossFit, I was a wedding photographer and I had been doing that for uh, seven or eight years. Um, prior to that, I played poker for two years uh, in Las Vegas and flew from Colorado to Las Vegas every week to go play poker. Um, but so I did that. That was fairly sedentary. Uh, wedding photography was certainly hard work on the day of wedding photography, but it was a lot of time behind a computer, a lot of time. Um, so really in my 20s and 30s, my I, I would try to stay somewhat, I was just trying not to, to be unfit. I was trying not, like, like my family is generally overweight my um, and, and fairly unhealthy and addicted to everything. So I was trying to avoid all of those things, but I was slowly succumbing into those things. Like I was drinking, you know, three or four beers a day, a night, 
Um, this is kind of what we did in the cul-de-sac. Everyone would go out in the cul-de-sac in the neighborhood at night and like just grab a beer out of anyone's fridge. Um, this was part of my routine for for 10 years. Um, I was chewing tobacco at the time, um, which was a habit I picked up uh, playing poker. So um, yeah, it was, it was, I was 38 when I started CrossFit and I was trying to run consistently. Like I was, I was in a place where maybe for like six months I was running like four or five miles, three times a week and really feeling like I was really cooking. I was, I was doing well. And uh, I, it's starting to get cold outside. It was late November of 2013. It's getting cold out and I hate running in the cold. I mean, I just hate it. So my sister-in-law uh, had been doing CrossFit for years. I, I, I knew that she's like, Jason for years. She's like, Jason, you would love it. It'd be great. And like, she was eating paleo and doing all the things. I was like, I'm not into that. Like, no, thanks. I don't, I didn't know what CrossFit was really at the time, but I just knew that, you know, I'm fine. I'm running. I'm fine. I know what I'm doing. And I didn't know what I was doing, obviously. Uh, but she invited me yeah. finally in like November, we're having dinner and she's like, look, Hey, my, my gym has like, you get a free, uh, a free month. I get a free month. If you sign up, if you want to just come try it out, if you like it, we both get a free month. And I was like, fine, I'll go try it out. And I'm not super excited about this. I, I was like, I probably was like, I was probably like three beers deep when she, when I committed to this thing, like I wasn't sober. Um, and I immediately had regrets. I was nervous the whole day. I, I think I went on a a Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. I think that's the night I went and I was, I didn't want to go. Um, I was nervous. Like I, I went to the gym. It was like in a warehouse area. Like I didn't even know where the front door was. I walked in, I didn't know what to do. Just walk in and there's this big warehouse with a gym. And, um, you know, like she came and saw me, thank God, and rescued me from just being super confused. Um, and I had, a, there was a class with like five people in it. It was really simple, uh, fun. Like we did a, we did a couple of things that like I knew how to do. Um, like the workout had handstand pushups and like, you don't walk into CrossFit and just do handstand pushups. Um, so I was like, well, I could do handstand. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, I could do handstands. Like I was a gymnast until I was 16 years old and from like 12 to 16. And I had just been able to keep doing handstands my whole life, like a party trick. So I kicked up to a handstand and they were just floored. They thought it was amazing. And that was probably enough to stroke my ego in that moment that like, oh, handstands are cool here. Because I never thought I would have a reason to do a handstand except to win a bet at a party or something. Party trick. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a party trick. It's, you know, like I, I was on a beach in Cancun photographing a wedding and I, you know, me and the groomsmen had a handstand contest. Of course I won. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the gym. You know, I, I enjoyed the workout. So I didn't end up joining that gym. It was just a little bit too far away uh, from my house to drive. So I tried another gym on the following Monday because now I'm in. Now I'm kind of intrigued. Like, this is interesting. So I go to that first class and it the class was great. Um, I there was it was a 9 a.m. class. There's a bunch of 40 year old men and women in the class. Some of them are are, are more overweight than I am. Some of but, but some of them were less, whatever, it doesn't matter. But we're all in around this age group and we start this work as like power cleans and burpees or something. Mm -hmm. And I die. It just, it just kills me. 
and I see these guys all around me, like destroying older than me, lots of gray hair. They're killing this workout. And I've got my hands on my knees. And that was enough to like cause me to feel like a huge amount of confusion. Like, how were they all doing this? This is crazy. How were they all this fit? Like, this is no big deal for them. And I, I can't, and I'm dying. Um, and like, even next to me was like a pregnant woman and she murdered the workout and I'm dying. So I, I was just so confused. And like, I have to figure this out. And I gave him my credit card. I'm like, here, sign. I don't care what it costs. I didn't ask. I was like, just sign me up. They're like, well, you get a free week. I'm like, fine. Here's my credit card. Charge me next Monday. I'm, I'll see you tomorrow. I'm here. And I went six days a week for like nine months straight. Um, not optimal as well, because that, that's a good way to get hurt. Uh, but that was it, Scott. I, I, I got sort of like bamboozled into going to a class and then kind of enjoying it and then going to another class and being like just confused at how everyone was so good at this and how, how terrible I was. And for whatever reason, if I always feel, if I feel that kind of feeling like I'm all in, I got to figure this out. Um, and I'm, I'm also that kind of person. Like my, I have a very, I have a, I inherited a wonderfully addictive personality that I can hone as a superpower or for good or for evil, <laughs> you know, it could be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, so the, the good thing is that if I am all in on something, I mean, I, every ounce of my energy and passion and thought process goes towards figuring that out. And that's kind of what the first year of CrossFit was like figuring this out and then eventually becoming one of the fittest people in that gym and then opening my own gym and then eventually finding, finding my way into the competitive CrossFit world. So I'm, I'm glad you said addictive personality. <clears throat> I started CrossFit over 500 pounds. So to get, and I got down to 260 in like the first couple years. I kept it off for like seven years um, before injury hit me. I replaced one addiction with another addiction. And what that did is it gave me an imbalance in my life that I wasn't the best husband I wasn't the best father during that time. And I probably went like at, at my age and half after carrying that much weight should not have been doing two a days for fun, but I was right. Right. Of course. And then, and it all breaks down. Did you experience any of that in the switch from your one addiction to the other? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, by, by going to CrossFit six days a week, like within two weeks, I had hurt myself, like pulling a rower. I was you know, trying to beat this other guy. I was racing so hard. Like I, I, uh, I tore a little bit of, um, connective tissue between one of my ribs from pulling the rower like a maniac. Um, I had a rotator cuff issue from gymnastics that flared up. Um, and that's often when, when you start doing some activity, things, old things start to flare up, but the addiction to CrossFit, um, it started to, over time, um, you know, it became, it, 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 of course, it replaced my my job. So I, I really wanted an exit from wedding photography anyway, but it made sense to open a gym. After one year, I was like, well, I'm curious about opening a gym. How do you do that? It can't be that hard. That is a false statement. There's nothing harder than owning and operating a CrossFit gym. It is the hardest thing I've ever done. So I did that for four years. Um, 
but that it just became everything. So I, now I'm a CrossFitter. Now I own a CrossFit gym. Now I'm a competitive CrossFit athlete with a CrossFit gym. I uh, ended up selling my gym. But um, you, when you make this behavior change, like to being super fit, it has this these um, this domino effect. It changed the way I ate. Eventually, I stopped drinking four beers a day. Not for the first like two years. I still drank like four beers a day. Like I didn't, my brain. I, I mean, I knew that drinking three or four beers. I probably. I think I. I still drink IPAs, but maybe I cut down to like three. But I knew that wasn't good. I would like watch the open announcement in 2015 or 2016 while drinking an IPA. You're like, oh, I can't wait to do this workout tomorrow. And it was just, it was an addiction that I had to take time to to break that addiction. Um, chewing tobacco. I didn't quit chewing tobacco until I qualified for the CrossFit Games in 2018. And the thought occurred to me one night that a CrossFit Games athlete doesn't chew tobacco. Now, there's probably a bunch of CrossFit Games athletes that chew tobacco. But in my mind, a CrossFit Games athlete doesn't chew tobacco. So I, I, I just threw the can away. And it wasn't like this epiphany. I still had all of the feelings of quitting an addiction. It sucked. Like that week was terrible. And the following week was less terrible. And the next week was a little less terrible. I mean, now I use these are little coffee pouches. These if I would have had these that first week of tobacco, like I replace chewing tobacco with a coffee pouch. And these are amazing, but they, they, they're not addictive. So like I can go a day or two having just forgotten that these exist. And I'm like, oh, that's right. Ooh, let me have one of these. These are fun. But that's I, I've I've been shedding addictions that have stuck with me over the past 10 years of CrossFit, like little by little addictions have, have come off. Like I, I also pick up new things. Like my new thing over the past year is that I have a small bowl of ice cream every night. Like, and if I had, if I don't have ice cream in the house, I will almost drive like 30 minutes round trip to the store to get ice cream. It's not much. It's a little bowl of ice cream with a little chocolate on it, but it replaced the behavior of having a, a, a drink every night. And so like, okay, yeah, I, um, now I got it. Now I got an ice cream thing. <laughs> Thankfully, I build that into my macros. I have room for that. In 3,000 calories a day, I, I save about 400 calories of my daily intake for that very necessary bowl of ice cream. So I haven't solved any of this, Scott. I've just tried to manage my way around this addictive nature. It's it's built in. And so I, have to, I also have to be careful with things. Like I can't, I don't want to introduce new addictions. So... I'm going to jump to you have really become the face of the master's division and to go from a guy who was just confused and getting beat by pregnant women in the workouts <laughs> to the face of an entire division is a huge leap. What do you feel your responsibility is with that? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the it it, it it well, I didn't plan for this. Um, first of all, but it wasn't completely accidental. Um, I mean, I started the process of sharing my thoughts and feelings on YouTube in like 2019, 2019, 2020. Um, and it you know, to crickets, you know, one or two people out there would watch a YouTube video is awesome. 
Um, and like, wow, 30 watch this time. That was great. Um, and it, it has picked up steam over time. I feel the responsibility now is to, um, to provide a, a positive and optimistic and realistic viewpoint of, of what masters can do um, above age 35. You know, I, I've, I've adopted the, the tagline, your best days are ahead of you. Uh, because that's been, that was something that when I was in my mid thirties and I was toying with weight, uh, weight gain, like I was nervous that I wouldn't be able to control weight gain, control my, my health, that my DNA was just like, I was, I was destined to be old and unhealthy. And, and that maybe it might, I, I was past my prime at 30, maybe 35. I really felt that. And I, it, it, it never came together. I started CrossFit. My body started changing. I started, you know, doing well in competition, all of that kind of stuff. But it was really over the past couple of years that I realized this idea that your best days are ahead of you is, can be a reality and that my life has gotten better as I age. And the, I mean, we even use these little phrases as master's athletes, like, man, I can't wait till I'm 50. Who says that, Right. That's just like, I can't wait to level up to 50. I can't wait to get out of this age division. This 45 to 49 is getting really tough. I can't wait to jump to 50. And then, you know, a couple of years into 50, I can't wait till I'm 55. Um, these are new thoughts. For, new for one second, yeah. you're in probably the most consistent division for top five men in all of the <laughs> master's divisions. Yes. So it isn't easy. No. No, these guys are ridiculous. They're unrelenting. They won't slow down. Um, and, and most of them follow me. I don't really get a break. Like when I turn 50, there's a few guys that turn 50 with me. that are just, it's not like, it's not like, oh, I'm free. You know, I'm, now I'm 50 and they're back here. Some of them come with me. And then the next year, more of them come. So uh, they're just, we're, that's the other, that's the detriment of this age group is that they were all aging up together. It's not like we're going to shed any of these guys. Um, but as I feel like there's, there's a responsibility to um, continue to inspire, um, you know, everyday athletes or, or just even, you know, guys that haven't started CrossFit that, that you can at any age start this and make a dramatic impact on your life, huge impact on your life. So part of that audience is like, you know, the person that was fit at 20, but thinks that their life is done. No, their best days can be ahead of them. Also, the responsibility is to continue to inspire the everyday gym warriors that maybe want to be competitive, that there is, there is still room for that, that we can still at our age do crazy things on the competition floor and be a part of that. Like I get really excited, not just about like winning. I mean, I, I have set, a high bar for myself for sure, but it's not just winning, but just getting out on the floor. Like event one, I'm giddy with excitement that I'm with all of these guys and we're going to go out there and do some stuff like where to go snatch and do clean and jerks or where to go deadlift and rope climb, pull some stuff. I get so excited for those moments where we have an opportunity at our age to battle. Um, and it, you know, so there's some sport in there. I don't know what that is, but I want to inspire guys to, um, and support them to help them uh, experience that as I have. Um, at the same time, the other responsibility is to try to have a good pulse and a beat on what people are feeling in the master's age group. So that, look, I wish I could, I wish I had 
consistent conversations with like Dave Castro. Like I don't, I should like, in fact, at, at the legends championship, he came up to me. He's like, Jason, we should talk more. And I was like, yes, we should talk more. How that was the extent of the conversation. What I should have done was like, give me your contact information so we can talk more. Like, give me, let me text you or something. Um, but I want to be ready. You know, if CrossFit ever does want to have conversations with me um, more directly, and I'm, I'm pretty close with the legends guys with Bob and Joe over the legends championship, the founders, um, you know, within, we, we might text a couple times a week um, on certain weeks. So I, I have this ability to provide feedback to those guys from what I'm hearing from masters athletes. I want to be able to represent in a sense, our age groups, our, our, our division um, fairly. And so if it, if it, if something needs to be criticized publicly, I want to try to do that. Uh, if something needs to be praised publicly, I want to be able to do that as well or supported publicly. Um, you know, when, when, when it first got announced that the games were going to break off the age group divisions, I was public that I was sad, you know, I was bummed about that. And honestly, I, it was part of change is hard. I wasn't sure there weren't a lot of details, but I was trying to be as transparent as I could be because I feel like what I'm feeling is probably what the community is feeling as well to an extent. Right. And then as we hear about legends and that partnership and then we hear more about what all can go into that, uh, Bob and Joe kind of can give me a little bit of more detail that sometimes I can't always share. It gives me hope and optimism that then I can share that hope and optimism with with the group and lead us into the future of what the Masters division can look like in this sport. Um, so I think all of those things are part of my responsibilities. Um, not sugarcoat anything and not, and also just not be a, um, you know, a huge pessimist. Um, there are, there are voices out there because there's not a lot of voices coming from CrossFit HQ. Okay. There's not a big, you know, when Glassman was there, he led with his voice, with his passion. He, whether he was the best CEO or the best or the directions he led, whatever, not, not even judging that, but he was somebody who stood at a speaker and spoke to the community, right? There's no one at HQ that does that right now. I don't think, I mean, Dave does get on once a week. I love his things. He puts on YouTube. Thank God there's something, but there's not a loud voice at HQ sharing. Um, but there is, there is, there, there are voices out there that fill that void. And some of those voices can be pretty freaking pessimistic um, and really crap on CrossFit. And so I don't want to be that guy. I want to be a voice that, um, that is positive in every way that I can be. Um, and, and also, if I'm disappointed or upset, I often, I sometimes share that stuff too. You know, every time someone says every 45 year old master's athlete is on performance enhancing drugs, someone says that all the time. And every time he says that, I'm going to post online that that is BS. Not everyone is. I don't know anyone who is, and I'm certainly not. But anyway, um, so is that a fair answer? Yeah, fair answer. But I'm going to give you a follow up. And then I'm going to turn it over to Jamie to kind of finish this up and move into games talk for this coming season. Cool. Um, I, I want to, uh, I'm trying to find a way to ask this in a way that makes sense. You are the face of cross the CrossFit masters, but you and like my friend Rudy have elevated yourselves through very hard work and a lot of accomplishments into a way that, that you're getting sponsorships that some of the other divisions aren't doing right. And so you're asked a lot of times when big news breaks to come on show 
and give your yeah. opinion. Yep. But in some ways, because of your hard work, you've elevated yourself a little bit further than other athletes have. Do you feel you can still represent all athletes? Because like my friend Jamie here, one mass, one MFC, one Legends, she doesn't have the sponsorship deals that you have. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, the sponsorship athletes do. Yeah, the, the sponsorship stuff, it's really funny because it's it's not it's not because of the so the uh, it's a it's a weird it's, it's like a chicken before the egg kind of thing. Um that, the was end of actually, that was actually one of my questions was like yeah. what what came first? Um you're yeah. like so you went to the games in 2018, your YouTube channel started in 2019. Did yeah. you winning the CrossFit games get you attention or did it take the crop? Did it take your hard work in social media presence and constant videos to get a big following for some yeah. sponsors to notice? Yeah. Or was it the wind yeah. at the games that got yeah. you there? That is the, that is yes. Yes. I, I'm going to answer. Yes. All of that. Um, the combination of the wins, I, the wins by themselves don't create an audience. Um, I mean, they, Every year at the games, every year I won, I, you know, as a master's athlete, I bump up um, by a, a very decent amount of followers. And that was really cool. Like those first few days after the games, just seeing like all these new followers and it was really, really fun. Um, but it, the, the YouTube channel uh, required consistency, you know, posting about every week or every other week, even when there was crickets. Um, and I, I have a, a video out there now that has done over a million views. Um, and it, it, it had maybe six or 8,000 views for six months. And then something happened in the algorithm and the algorithm just started showing anybody who searched for CrossFit, my video. And I started getting into the hundred thousand views, then 200, then 400, then 800, and, you know, surpassing a million views after a couple of years. But it was like, so this old evergreen content started to catch on, on the YouTube algorithm. Um, and build followers and and all of that stuff. So we're at almost 30k on Instagram, almost 30k on on YouTube. And these aren't Brooke Wells numbers for sure, right? Danny Spiegel's got a couple more followers than I do, so her brand deals are going to be huge compared to what I'm capable of getting. But being a four times champion or or having won everything for the last three or four years is helpful on the resume to legitimize my voice and what I'm talking about. And I, like, I know what I'm doing on the competition floor, but also having a channel that is very transparent, I think, and sharing consistently with the community, whether it's behind the scenes of me traveling in an RV or building a sauna or a day in the life of training or just one workout, all of those transparencies, I think help build a community, build the, build the audience. And it literally wasn't until the end of 2023 into 20, uh, I'm sorry, the end of 2022 into 2023, where uh, sponsors sort of exploded a little bit for me. And by exploded, we're talking, you know, six or eight sponsors. Um, you know, one of my favorite brands, Thirdsy, they started sponsoring me at the, towards the early parts of 2023, maybe, maybe 2022. I can't remember, somewhere around there. So shout out to them because they were one of the first ones that committed to a master's athlete. Um, receiving sponsorship money on a monthly basis um, for a product that I loved. So it was, it's a win-win. Um, so that was one of the first ones at the end of 2022, I did a YouTube video on, you know, my earnings 
my 2022 earnings revealed. And it was like, yeah, I made $10,000 at the CrossFit Games. And people are shocked. Oh, you masters. Oh, yeah, you guys get 10K. Well, that, didn't Justin Medeiros win $300,000 that year? Yes, we get 10K. Hey, there's 14 masters divisions. That's a lot of cash to dish out. 10K, thank you. I'll take it. Um, this is how much I won at Legends that year. Here's the sponsorship money that year. And it was all, you know, maybe it was $20,000. I think YouTube revenue was even in there too. So this is not a, it's not a full-time job there. It's, it doesn't even pay a mortgage. Um, doesn't pay for my truck. Okay, it pays for my truck, um, which I'm trying to sell if someone's interested. Um, but then in 2023, some sponsors just started knocking on my door. It was really interesting. And I think it has to do with the size of the audience and that people are starting to realize, having tested and seen results, that sponsoring masters athletes or doing work where they can get their product in front of masters age groups is profitable. Like we're a demographic that spends money. Um, so if Jason Grubb says that, you know, these grips are great, I'm going to give them a shot, right? Or if or Jason Grubb loves these shoes or the, you know, barbell apparel clothing, like, hey, let's see how that goes. Masters athletes can spend money. And my argument has always been that the disposable income is in the master's age category. Dude, we fund the games. We fund everything. Like there's more signups of master's athletes in the open than than other divisions, obviously. Um, we're a huge revenue source for CrossFit, we're a huge revenue source for all the brands, but they're dumping all of their advertising into 20-year-olds who are beautiful, mm -hmm. no doubt, men and women, it's fine. Um, but if they give us a shot, I think they're going to see a decent return. And again, we have to think, like Jason Grubb, I've got 30,000 followers on Instagram or 30,000 um, subscribers on YouTube. It's just, that's not a huge amount, but it's enough that that sponsors will spend some money there. So to answer the question, yes, it does take so much work to intentionally build an audience on your social platforms. And it's not, I mean, it's, it's work and luck. Like I got lucky that some videos took off. I think the luck was there because I was very consistent in posting on a consistent, you know, on regularly, um, you know, those early videos are tough. And even sometimes my existing videos, like I'll watch one and I'll be like, Oh, I forgot to cut that out. All right. Well, it's out there now. It's, you know, it's got a few thousand views. I'm not changing it. Um, so it, it also doesn't have to be perfect for those that are thinking about doing this, just doing it is the win. And then you get better and you, you find out what people like, but uh, perfection is not, that's not necessary, especially in YouTube. Almost the more professional, the more edited the videos, the less well they did. If I just grab a GoPro and document my day, boom, we crush it. So it does take all that consistent effort to grow that following and also have like, okay, I've also won a bunch of things. So that's helpful. Like I'm good at this stuff, good at two things. And, uh, and that's where sponsorships have come. Now, what's fun about that is I have some options with sponsors. Like I can, I've had to turn some sponsors down because I don't, it didn't work out. It didn't, it wasn't the right fit. Like I don't say yes to everyone. I like money. Trust me. I want, I want, if someone's offering me a, a little bit of money, I want to say, yes, this is amazing, this thing. But sometimes I'll get a product and be like, oh, shoot, I do not like this thing. Um, and so I'll never sign with somebody that I don't actually work with. But, uh, but yeah, that's, you know, Jamie, that's it. It's, it requires both. And before I had an audience, yeah, I was, I, I was trying to figure out, crack that nut. How do you do this? 
how do you figure this out? And it wasn't like building an audience, hoping to get sponsors. I was building an audience because I felt like I had something to say. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to give that a go. Um, and I was honored when 200 people watched a YouTube video. I was blown away with that. I was like 200 people looked at this. This is amazing. So I just, I just kept doing it. The audience ended up just growing on its own, still growing every day. Um, and sponsors, I mean, it did, it did come, come together, but yeah, all of the work created the situation where I was lucky enough to have something of value for sponsors. I got to have enough eyeballs and I have to be a legit athlete. Like, of course, Rudy should be sponsored. Rudy should have a huge audience. Um, but he also has to get out there and, and like, I want to know more about Rudy. Um, you know, Jamie, I want to know more about you. I, I, if there's any content that needs more is more, I know I'm coming is more athletes. Do it. Set, put your stuff out there. All right, Scott. I did documentaries on Rudy and Jamie last year. They're sitting out on YouTube and for everybody to get to know them. But, and that's the, that's the hard thing, right? YouTube is a, is a 20 something place to live. It is. And our 75% of our audience is 25 to 55. Right. Right. I know. I know all the demographics. I'm not sure why 25 year olds are watching my videos. I don't know what they're doing. Um, but they like it, but you know what, Scott, it's funny because those documentaries, they live there, right? I was thinking about that video that had a, th a million views now at this point, man, it just sat there. It sat there for a while. And then, and then all of a sudden it became a suggested vid video. Um, and again, I don't, there's this element where like you do all this work, it's out there. Now continue to post it. This is one thing that I don't do often enough. If I've got some gold out there, like there's some videos where I'm like, God, people should look at, they should watch this. This was really good. Um, I should, I don't have, but I should have a consistent posting schedule of my evergreen content to remind people, hey, this is out there. Hey, if you want to know my entire RV adventure, I've got a, an entire playlist of all my RV stuff. Um, people are like, ah, can we see a full tour of the RV? I'm like, bro, just search YouTube. I did that but they don't know. So you have to constantly remind them. And then maybe YouTube will find favor with you. <laughs> like the gods, you know, like <laughs> they just shine on you. Yeah. Last year, Jamie, uh, this is how we kind of got met and got together. She let me live with her for quarterfinals. Oh, wow. And wow. So we, did, we did the whole weekend start to finish. And there was, it was a roller coaster ride. Yep. A big one. It is one of the most favorite things I've ever done in this space. That's amazing. I mean, how it's how fun is that as an experience, both for you, Scott, and for you, Jamie, right? With quarterfinals, I don't know what the roller coaster elements were. You'll have to tell me, but like if it was the one that had shuttle runs, I mean, that was a roller coaster in and of itself. I almost died in that workout. Well, I almost we almost went died hours debating whether you should redo an event hours <laughs> yeah yeah and right watching like no i'm done i'm done then it was yep. no i really should i need to take this shot and then no i'm done i like literally back and forth yeah and what with like an hour left you went i'm going for it yeah you did it. which which one did you do uh the row thruster one i re tried to redo but halfway oh. through i was like this isn't worth no. it i've done it's that just, uh, and yeah. it's not like I was not in contention per se. Well, 
he had to be top 30. So I guess I was like, questioning where I would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just like the blind, like, I think Scott hadn't quite understood the nuances of blind leaderboard, waiting to see where you're at, how stressful that kind of stuff is. Um, Yeah. It's just, just like, and setting up the floor and having other athletes in the gym and just like that kind of stuff was kind of a behind the scenes that he, he was, I opened it too. I learned so much about that. But Jamie is so open and she, hmm. so I, I did the same thing with Rudy for semis. And so Rudy is very much like in his own space, headphones in doing his thing. Jamie will talk to me right up until go time. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, and uh, that's, what's really fun. I think, well, I'll just say, I mean, I was at, I was at Mayhem last year doing quarterfinals and semifinals, um, which just happened to be traveling through the area. And um, it, it's funny because there was a lot of behind the scenes going on there. Um, but it, you didn't, the videos, they didn't show all the preparation that goes in the, it goes into it, really goes into it. Showing the performance is one thing and that's, it's really fun. Uh, but what goes in behind the scenes when you're on, I mean, you've, they've got a forklift, not a forklift, but one of those like X, I don't know. It's some machine that goes up. A ladder like, truck. You, you, yeah. 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 And so you, you have to have those. So if you're going to measure, unless someone's going to climb the rope to measure 15 feet, you need a way to measure 15 feet on a rope climb. Right. Um, yes. So, you, I mean, I used to have like someone, okay, you climb the rope. I don't want to, I don't want to burn an extra rope climb by climbing the rope. Right. So you have someone else right. that can climb a rope, drop a tape from up there and hang with one hand and a tape while you're filming it's it's chaos, man. It's chaos doing these. It's the stress. It, it's double the stress because the workout is stressful enough. But all the setup, all the preparation, having two cameras, talking to the camera, starting both cameras, making sure everything goes well. Because if you lose that video, that's it. You're done. All the work is done. Your whole year. So um, fun, fun to capture that stuff behind the scenes. That's this is the uns, this is the unseen stuff that. Um, it makes me think like I'll have to do that this year. Like, uh, like literally get into the details of the behind the scenes and then to show parts of the workout, the workout, ah, we've seen Jason work out plenty of times. How did you set up the floor? What are you measuring with? You know, it's, these are all very, very important issues. Yeah. It can be 15 minutes or more of floor layout, setup, measuring, yes. showing, and you're like no longer warm or ready to go. Yeah, I'm cold. I don't, yeah, totally. Like, yeah. And then you, I mean, you cue up the music, you got, someone's got to handle the music. Like you can't just work out, you know, in the quiet. So, and then you have someone that's like, someone's checking the camera every once in a while make sure the camera, both the GoPro and the iPhone are still recording. Yeah. It just makes totally. me stress thinking about it. Um, I know. And I've done this 10 years. The one that blew me away is so that you guys use uh, me time, we time. Uh, sometimes. Yeah. Um, yep. Right. So to line up the gym clock, to the we time clock. They, so stupid. They would argue. They would argue for ten minutes on the process yep. to get it lined up. Yep. Yeah. I I don't even I don't even use we time because of that. I, I unless I'm doing. I did an online competition, the Zelos Games, a couple years ago, and it was just me. I had to record all my own stuff, and I used the we time app, so I had to kind of estimate. <laughs> the main clock or, or with my watch. Um, 
but no, I like to see a clock. Look, I, I manage my clock, my workouts by the clock, particularly in, in those types of events. So I have to see what, what my pacing is with that clock in my view. It doesn't always work because sometimes like the camera needs to be facing a certain way and the clock needs to be a certain direction. So there's times when I'll have two clocks, like one in front of me, one behind me, one in view of the camera, and it'll be like three, two, one, click. Shit, we messed it up. Oh, sorry for my language. We goofed up. We messed up the. We messed up the clocks. Reset the clocks because um, the clocks yeah. have to be dialed in. But it's it's stuff like this that it, like it makes or breaks your qualifier. Um, and historically, when there's only ten athletes going to the games, that you got to thread that needle so tight just to get to the games. Now that we've got a larger field, yes, there's still stress. And no, you can't mess up a video. You you can't have a, a, a workout thrown out. You can't have any of that. But there's just a teeny little bit less stress. Like maybe I don't have to have a clock in front of me. I don't have to win the qualifiers. I just, I need to be top 40. I think I right. should be able to do that. So. Right. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. We'll see. We'll make something fun out of it. Okay. Um, but, but yeah, back to that social media thing. And how do you get YouTube to pay attention? One, YouTube is YouTube is super fickle. Um, you know, I, I think about uh, another podcast um, or that, that is on YouTube that I see, and it just it feels like the the this podcast should just be, be exploding, should be exploding, but it's not. Um, even some of the the largest podcasts out there um, that I in the CrossFit space, you know, on YouTube, they're getting you know, sub 1000 views on a, on a particular, like I'm a big athlete, you know, T is on there and there's, you know, sub 1000 views. And it's really curious. It's just curious what YouTube decides. And if I ever figure that out, um, I'll call you Scott and I'll let you know, I'll let you know the inside track. If I crack that nut, me and Mr. Beast are going to figure it out. I would appreciate that. <laughs> so I, I see you're sitting there in your, yes noble crossfit games sweatshirt um yes. one of one of my biggest contentions with this split was the kit because that is sort of a major thing that a big chunk of the athletes who try to make it to the games are going to get this athlete kit and look exactly yes. like the regular athletes the elites that are out there on the floor um, we, Bob announced uh, when you talked with him that yes, it's a completely different, uh, sponsor. Northern spirit is the gear sponsor. Um, yep. so right off the bat and uh, maybe I am just a negative Nancy, maybe it's because I've never been there. Um, the, I already feel like this is going the route that I expected when I heard the announcement yep. and I'm yeah. frustrated, sad, disappointed, like. So we're just going to get a couple shirts and shorts and here you go. And you're not definitely not going to look like the elites. Like they get displayed August 1st, you get displayed at the end of August. It's going to look like a different, yeah. different floor. You guys aren't going to look as professional. Um, what I think that was a giant draw to get some of the top athletes there. Yes. And now I worry that it's going to, some of these people are not going to sign up. And then it's like, am I truly the fittest 40 year old in the world? Maybe not. Right. A few people probably didn't right. know. Right. It's a good question um, and a good point. And that it is disappointing that it's not a unified title sponsor. Right. 
Um, that would be cool. And that would create unification in the overall sport that the adaptive age, uh, teenagers and masters are wearing the same gear, go ruck as the individual athletes. That would be super smart, right? That'd be a smart way to, to, to bring the brand, keep the brand intact, right? Um, it would also be really smart to have the, uh, have the age group or the, the non-individual athletes have our games all prior to the games so that they can feature footage at the games and show like, Hey, you know, here's the champions or here's some, you know, during the breaks, you just have on the screen, you know, something from the pit team throwdown or have something from, you know, the, the, um, adaptive championship or our, our championship, whatever. Um, and I say pit team throwdown. I don't mean to say that the teenage CrossFit games, let's just call it what it is. It is the teenage CrossFit games, our masters CrossFit games. Um, so, you know, it'd be great to do that. Another way that they could unify that is if they had one of the open announcements this year include all, you know, all the divisions in one age group announcement or one announcement. So you've got an individual there, or a couple of individuals, a couple of age groups, uh, a couple of adaptive athletes to show like this sport is well-rounded. Like, Hey, if like, I don't know why they're not doing that. What are they thinking? Mm -hmm. It's just, it's like a softball. Like here's how to say, Hey, we're splitting these off to enhance the sport. And here's how we're all still unified, still together. So, um, okay. That's not what it is, but it is year one. And that's my, my hope is that in year one, we have a transition year. Um, and we do have a, we do have a clothing sponsor, which is great. We have a clothing sponsor. Um, I'd never heard of Northern spirit, but, uh, someone from, uh, United King or from, uh, Europe, United kingdom. He sent me a message on Instagram. He's like, dude, their stuff is great. You may not have heard of them, but their stuff is great. Um, it does sound like a tool company, Corey, but, um, it, it is, it's, it's great. It's a good brand. Um, the gear is great. So that's, that's good to know. Um, and yeah, our athlete package won't be what it was historically. Now this is going to come across interesting. Like, I do have this sweatshirt. I, I like, this is from 2022. I do like this, this old, old sweatshirt. Um, I mean, I, I've been there five times and I have, five times worth of gear. I don't have anything from 2018 or 2019 anymore. I've given all that away or I've, I've worn through all of it. Um, but every year, like I just get a new a, a, nine more pairs of noble shoes. Um, I get nine more pairs, whatever. I, I don't even like those shoes. So I, I give all of those away because I don't use them. Now, what you're not, what, what I'm saying is like, I'm, I'm okay with not getting all of that. Um, the first year it was great. And so that is where you are attracting those athletes. Like, Hey, you get this thing on the first, you get that, that experience. What I think they will create at the games this year is that, um, the experience of the locker room. I know that Bob and Joe have, you know, have got a lot of thoughts in creating that locker room experience that you had with Noble at the games, even Reebok at the games where you go in, you get escorted, you get your, all of your stuff. And that's really cool. And I will miss games. I loved going through, um, I loved going through at the games and getting like, um, you know, all the swag, like, uh, well, I don't have it with like Yeti water bottles. Like there was yeah. some pretty epic stuff there. That, that was great. Those were really cool things. Um, and they were really nice. Like wasn't something like it didn't take away from the competition. When I, I would get all of them like, this is amazing. Super cool. I would do like a swag video. That was a YouTube play. I'll be just transparent. I would immediately do a swag video. I'd try to be the first one to show off what they gave us. And I got mm -hmm. to use that to my advantage masters because we got them before the individuals got, so I could reveal all the goods. Um, 
but as far as the athletes go, um, I think we could still draw. I think we could draw the biggest athletes in the world because this is the games. The fact that there's a field of 40 may reveal new athletes that we that were just under the radar, that were under the radar. Maybe they don't qualify well, but they compete in person like like maniacs. That was me. Like I didn't qualify well. I've never qualified well until like last year. Um, but then when it, you get me in person and I can crush some souls out there. So there may be some unique opportunities like that. But I also think, Jamie, this is year one. And I'm I'm cutting some slack to everyone involved. I think about like Bob and Joe. Like, why Birmingham? Why Labor Day weekend? They had six months to figure this out. So should CrossFit have maybe contacted them 18 months ago? Well, yeah. Come on. Like, if CrossFit is like, hey, real quick, can you guys throw the games next year? We're going to do this instead. What do you think? We want to do this. And you guys have you know a year to figure this out. Um, in a, in a better world or better situation, CrossFit um, CrossFit gets way ahead of this. And now I know Bob and Joe are already working on next year. And I know that Bob wants our games to be prior to the individual games. So I think they're going to do everything they can. So one thing we do know is that there is going to be a year two. That's great to know. You know what I mean? Like, despite how year one goes, I think year one can be I hope we knock it out of the park as Masters athletes. I hope we have record signups in the open, record signups in quarterfinals, that the games are super funded, and it's just a big F you to the world that says, hey, the Masters are done. No, no. We will step up to the plate and make sure that our event is 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 amazing, okay? And that's going to take some of our dollars. So we're going to do that, and hopefully that creates momentum into year two, three, four, five, and this can blossom into something that has its own legs, its own like yeah we don't need noble but whoever whoever wants to sponsor us we we get those bigger packages because we've proven we spend money we can draw a crowd when we have the right setup the right situation um and all that kind of comes together but you know while this is a step back it's um i have so much thinking of it in this way like it's a it's a step back in the same way that giving birth is a step back like it takes a toll on the body but then you come back stronger and better like it, we're doing something new in the space year one is going to have lots of questions uh but hopefully what we do in year one helps propel year two three four five and yeah in in 2025 2026 maybe we're walking out of there with four thousand dollars worth of gear every single athlete jamie because that's what we were at the games um mm -hmm. so you know that's 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 my hope and i think that's the drive I think that the guys at Legends have. They have that level of passion. They just need now, they need the community to step up. And if we step up as Masters athletes, that's what funds their future with the games. Um, and again, let's CrossFit and let's, um, you know, whoever's running CrossFit, as far as the board goes and the uh, private equity, that um, the Masters are actually a big deal in this whole thing. We actually have a really big voice. We have really big checks to write in this in this space um you know private equity always feels like this giant just this just this black void out there that shadows over crossfit um and maybe they are and maybe they'll sell in the next couple of years who knows and who knows what a new owner would do um but as far as the sport goes i think i think we're in a position now where like this is this is where we invest our time we invest our energy we invest our dollars and because of that we can see this become better if we go for it. Um, and the test, I'll just say this, this is the last thing I'm going to say. I know I've gone long on this particular answer. 
I know Bob loves to program the games. And uh, I know that he's already programmed it. He, he texted me a few weeks ago. He's like, the games have been programmed. I'm like, bro, who gets to say that besides like Adrian Bosman or Dave Castro? Who has ever said that in the history? The game I've written the games workouts. Now he's collaborated with Bos and all stuff, but they've they've locked in. They know what semifinals are. They know what the games are. Um, Bob is never going to tell a soul, obviously, because I'd love to tease him. I love to tease him, like, hey, tell me some stuff. Never cracking that lock, but um, they know how to test athletes. And so whoever wants to be crowned the fittest in their division will be tested as such at this games. And so if they don't show up, they can't be tested. That's it. Whoever shows up gets to be called the fittest on the planet in this age group uh, because these tests will be no joke. These guys know how to, they know how to do some damage. Um, I mean, Scott, you watch this. I mean, you know, yeah, Jamie, I mean, you know, legends, we know what those tests are like. Um, they're very good and they're very appropriate for our sex and our age. They know how to program some stuff that really, Tests us. You make me want to go down so many paths. I know. <laughs> uh, Open up a lot of cans there, don't I? I'm going to hit you with five or six quick hitter games questions for this year to get your opinion. And it comes from pretty much your interview with Bob. Mm -hmm. This year, games are indoors. Mm -hmm. Thoughts? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. That's fine. Oh, the only place that that that, that I mean, Legends was in Legends. Well, Legends had an outdoor pool, but generally was indoors, right? Uh, MFC was all indoors. Uh, the games has some outdoor events, and I, I mean, I love an outdoor event um, because I think I have an advantage. If it's hot, I love hot work. I love being in the heat. I love it. Um, but Bob didn't say that they will all be indoors. He did mention something about there's some nice trails around town. There's some things like that. He mentioned, he, he teased some of that stuff. Like, I don't even know what trails are around here. Um, so if, if 90% are indoors, if there's a 5k trail run that they somehow figure out how to do something like that, that would be sick. Um, now that's also weather dependent that, that puts them in a bind. So I could see year one, they could be like, Hey, you know what? Let's not, we have so many athletes. Let's just control this environment. Uh, but indoors is fine. And it's in Birmingham. We're all going to get super sweaty. The humidity will be, will be a factor. Um, but Madison has humidity. Madison has heat. Madison makes me sweaty too. I got to change my clothes after a games workout. Um, so no big deal, but indoors is also, it's just safe. Like we're not going to have any weather delays. There's no issues. They got a lot of people to get through. And I hate, I hate when we have weather delays that mess things up because that happens every year at the games or change a workout. Or change a workout. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready for legless rope climbs. Don't, don't change yeah. it. Yeah. Three fields of play. Awesome. That's awesome. Right. We, we can have longer workouts. I think one of our uh, experiences at legends, they had a lot of athletes there. We were working out, you know, th they were running legends from <laughs> eight in the morning until nine 30, 10 o'clock at night. That was a lot uh, with two fields of play had to keep the workouts under certain time caps. I think the longest may have been a 16 minute time cap out at legends. I can't remember, but three huge floors. Give us more time. Now, again, I'm talking selfishly. Give me more time. 
and I, I love it. The more time on the field, the better. Um, but also fast workouts are great too. You know, heavy lifts are great. Three, three floors allows for all the athletes to get a full experience and have what did Bob say? Eight plus events. Hell yeah. That's awesome. Every year at the games for the past few years, Ooh, you always felt like they were really, really tightening it up with either less events, shorter events, um, 10 males, 10 females on the field at 10 at one time, really, really squeezing us together. Um, I'm okay with all of that, but if you give us nine events, oh, it's awesome. 10 events, 12, you know, um, and, and Legends has done that in the past. They always have four days of, of competition and sometimes two to three events in a day, which is just amazing. Love it. Um, Bob talked about wanting to be centrally located for European athletes, for South American athletes, um, and not going with his home state of California. Yeah. I know you live in Birmingham. What do you, do you think the master's community as a whole is happy? It's centrally located. Um, well, that's a good question. You know, I mean, centrally located to me feels like Denver, but that's where I lived. But Denver is isolated. It's far from any anything. Um, what's fun about Birmingham in a centrally located perspective, um, it's pretty close to Florida. It's very close to Tennessee. I mean, we think we border Tennessee, I think. No, I know we, we border from Tennessee. Um, you know, we're, we're a drive for quite a few um, quite a few athletes, but a very easy flight. You know, a lot of people flew to Madison and Madison, you'd fly to Chicago and then drive to Madison. Or if you flew to Madison, it was a huge pain. Birmingham has um, a ton of flights. I've, I've got direct flights to Denver all day long if I ever need one, which is where I was from. Um, but Atlanta is the largest airport. I don't know. It's top five in the world or something. It's two hours away. So for international flights atlanta is the hub and it's just that's a super smart strategic place to be and there's probably a flight every hour from birmingham to atlanta and back and forth so it's great for everyone except australia right i don't we don't have a lot of um not a, not a lot of countries in the east um but australia you know shout out to kane hayes down there who is aging up into my division he's going to travel for like 39 hours and um and good good because uh He's a formidable foe. So <laughs> give that guy as much travel as possible. Um, not really, Kane, if you're listening. But yeah, I, th I think it's very, it's, e it's very easy to fly to. Very easy to fly to. And the town itself is easy to navigate. There's a ton within range of, of, uh, uh, of the J, whatever, the, the convention center, where it's at. BJCC. Um, but, yeah, the BJCC. I live, um, I live 20... 20 miles away. So it's a 25 minute drive on the highway for me to get there. Um, anybody who wants to come to town, there's going to be tons of Airbnbs or whatever uh, VRBOs available compared to Madison um, or Masters Fitness Collective in Fort Wayne, Indiana. There's no Airbnbs. You you have to find a hotel that has a kitchen, which, which we did. You know, we all like to cook our own food. I just, I'm lucky enough to sleep in my own bed. Again, I've traveled to the games three for three years in an RV so I slept in my own bed. Uh, I just don't know how lucky I got on this one. But centrally located from a flying perspective, absolutely. Um, a flight over the pond to Atlanta is super simple. So I want, I want all the European competitors. I oh, can't wait to see all those guys again and gals. So then 
this is the biggest blow, I think, to Jamie and I, and that is teens and masters on the same date. Yeah, it's a bummer. We were really gearing up. We have a whole team yep. channel on our YouTube. Yep. And yep. Uh, we wanted to cover both yep. with full team. And yep. we're not going to be able to now. Yep. Bob said, not going to happen again. Joe said in the statement to me, we're going to wait and see. <laughs> I mean, I think Joe said in a, in a separate podcast, um, that they really wanted to try to do something together. They, they're pretty tight as, as teams. Um, that would be something that would be really interesting if they were to somehow find a venue that was large enough to accommodate both. Wow. I mean, talk about like viewership, uh, the ability to have everything consolidated, um, you know, the, the leverage in the numbers would just be amazing. So if, if they are somehow able to collaborate and make that something in the future, of course, your team is going to be working double time on one weekend, but at least not separated, right? Um, separation is tough. And, and yeah, I mean, it is um, that it, it, if, if, if all these were broadcast, if the teens and the masters were broadcast and we had these huge broadcast teams, it could be one of those amazing weekends to watch, Um the, you know, I don't think budget's going to allow for that in year one. Um, but yeah, that is, it is, it's unfortunate. And, uh, you know, I think there was lots of questions on why Bob chose that weekend, knowing that the team uh, championship is that weekend as well. And they just didn't have options. There was just no time and no options on year one. But I, I do believe that in year two, they will do everything they can to, to try to find the right fit there. Um so if it's together, that's awesome. Two separate weekends, even better. All of those happening prior to the big event uh, would be, you know, phenomenal. Yeah. And bummer for your, I mean, yeah, for those coaches that have to coach masters and teens. Yeah, that's, that's hard. That's a bummer. Um, if you need to sub in a master's coach, you know, like if, if, if you have an athlete that's their first time there, tell them to reach out to me. Like I, I can offer some assistance, anything that I can do to help somebody with their first games experience. Um, you know, I've, I've never had a, a coach there that helps me strategize. I've always done that on my own. Um, but I, I'm happy to help, you know, show someone the ropes. Um, we all talk behind the scenes anyway. It's a funny thing. Once you get there, you I'm not always strategizing with the guys in my age group, but I am strategizing with everyone outside of my age group, right? Yeah. I want to know when someone walks off the field, this was the best event in 2021. We had a workout that started off with 20 ring muscle ups. That was our age group, 20 ring muscle ups into like this, this sprint. And then we did snatches into a sprint and then rowing into a sprint. But the first thing was 20 ring muscle ups. And I was preparing for that. I was thinking I'll break it up into like 12 and eight or, or 14, six, or I, you know, something like, but it was windy and the straps are super long. So it's super risky to come down. So I was preparing uh, Rick, my co-host on my podcast, he had just come off the field in the 50 plus division. He's like, yeah, I went 15 unbroken. I was like, Rick went 15 unbroken. Okay. And I know my capacity compared to Rick. If Rick could go 15 unbroken, I think I can go for 20. And I went out there and I gambled big time and went 20. I mean, my last rep was like, I mean, it's one of those last muscles where you catch it. And if you don't, I mean, you're just if I don't get this muscle up, I'm, it's going to take me another two minutes to finish one more. Uh, and luckily I got through 20, but it's those little things that um, you learn at the games. Like 
you watch, you're trying to find the TV that's on the field before you. So you see what it's, what is this workout doing to the teenagers? Okay. Okay. So they're pulling. Okay. That they're not slowing down here. You learn all of this kind of fun stuff in person. So masters athletes, this would be my advice to coaches. If you have a master's athlete and a teenager, you've got to go with the teenager. The master's athlete can fend for themselves. Like we'll be okay. We'll all support each other. You don't send a teen by themselves. Like go be with your team. Wouldn't you say? I would agree with you completely. The trick is that some master's athletes are teen coaches. Oh, I know. I know. In those, in those situations, you're host. <laughs> you're just host, man. And then you're not competing as the master. That's how it goes. It's, it's the year that you don't get to go, right? You, you have a huge contingent of, it was evident at Legends, like yeah. your Boulder athlete has grown. You have a ton of athletes. I take it yep. you have no teen athletes. It's it's typically an older crowd. Yeah, it is. It is masters training, straight up okay. masters training. Now, interestingly, it would be great for teenagers too. Um, the needs of masters athletes and teenagers are very similar. So, for example, like we need to do smart volume. We need to be careful with our volume. Um, and teenagers actually do too. The 17, 18 year olds maybe not quite as much. They've got a lot of natural healing remedies just flowing through their veins all day long but 14 15 year olds um you know that they, they it's we're very similar i actually have um one of our boulder athletes his son is a 14 year old looking to go to the games and he does the exact work his dad does which is their athlete training and this kid is crushing it um because it makes sense 14 15 year olds and 40 year olds should have pretty similar training the 14 15 year olds shouldn't be doing what 25 year olds are doing and neither should 40 year olds so it okay. uh, i don't think we'll ever cross that bridge and call it the boulder athlete masters and 14 15 year old training um program but it would be it would be fun uh, but yeah this there's um there's a good amount of, of, of boulder athletes uh, out there and that's one of the things that was fun about legends was having that contingent that, that well, I think we had 14 or 15 athletes out there. We all collaborated. It was really fun. Like, Oh, Hey, someone's going. So we all go down and watch someone and cheer them on. Right. If we could, unless someone's warming up or you're, you're whatever. Um, but yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. You can really support each other when you have a solid team. Um, so that's another factor. If, if, uh, and we'll adopt somebody if they need one. Um, even if they don't follow the programming, we come on over. We'll, we'll help you. And then, uh, you know, Get up on the podium next to me is fine. Here, here's my last question. I mean, there's a lot on my notes, but of course, we're going to finish it up with this because we're going to have you back on throughout the season. Happy to, happy to. Um, when it was announced, the team piece. One, Lana has been in the the chat. Lana, you getting your seventy plus as a trial? I could not be more stoked for that. Super excited. Let people know what's possible. But with the team thing, <clears throat> if I'm an individual athlete and it's year one and I already know it's going to be clunky, why add more burden to my plate in year one? Yeah. I think it's a great idea. Yes. Yeah. Year one. True. It, so that's a good question. Uh, it's year one for this experience of the games for the collaboration, right? But it's not their first rodeo running a large event and it, a large event with a team or with team a team event uh, at the same time. They did this at Legends in a constricted 
uh, field, right? Field of play, very constricted. And it was, uh, the teams had a great, they had a great event. I mean, I, they all loved it. They didn't have enough events. They only had two days worth of events. And so that was, I think, part of their feedback. I know the team event at the games will have three days of competition. Um, but I think it's, I think it was a necessary, I think it's brilliant. First of all, it was brilliant to take on additional, um, competitors, which will bring more human beings to the event, more fans to watch the teams and the individuals, more overall athletes, more revenue that can help support the event. And honestly, the more people, the more buzz around that whole thing, the better it is for the future of the Masters games. Like if there is social media, when there are like still pictures and there's a crowd behind somebody that looks better than at the games when it's like empty. There's like a person in some empty stands where the games venue was too big to make the masters look special. This will be a nice concise event with a ton of human beings, a lot like legends in Phoenix where when every event, I mean, it looks like it's a packed house and you actually did have to kind of shuffle your way through to see someone there. And that's a, that's a fun experience for the athletes to look out there and see like all these people watching, I'm doing a, you know, my, my PR clean and jerk. And there is someone I know eight feet standing in front of me while I'm doing this thing. Hopefully I'm not spittling on them. Um, so it is an increased workload, Scott. And so your point is why, why take on this additional workload? And I think one, they have some experience doing, it. I think they'll be okay Two, It draws more revenue and all those extra people. And they're just willing to, um, you know, put in all the extra overtime for that trade-off, right? more athletes, more people, more revenue, more uh, attention in that area. Instead of however many 400 plus athletes, we'll have 600 plus athletes and potentially families and friends and and all the people. Um, Not to mention Birmingham is a thriving CrossFit community. Like it's crazy how big CrossFit is in this huge metro area Um, compared to any place I've been. I'm, I'm constantly surprised at how big it is. So I think we'll have a lot of local viewership down here as well. People can drive from Nashville, Cookville, I mean, anywhere in Tennessee in two, three hours. It's, it's close. Draw from Atlanta as well. Um, anyway, I think, yeah, I think they bite it off the, the team competition. They've got some experience with it. I think they can do it really well. I have no idea what it's going to look like to have this simultaneous competition happening. The games and the team's community event. I don't know how all that will shake out, what that'll end up looking like. Um, you know, maybe different shirts. I don't, I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not overly worried about it. I just love the idea that like last night we did a podcast with, uh, with Bob Ruano. He's a six time games athlete. He's 54 this year. He's Mr. Consistency, awesome, energetic dude. And he's like, I, I, you know, I'm 54. I'm a little bit beat up. I don't think I'm going to do the individual this year. And then teams shows up. He's like, but I think I may do it for teams. Cause that sounds like fun. So you have this, whole and extra group of people that yeah i mean at when i'm 49 i'll probably still try to go for it again at the games yada yada but but there is this temptation like oh a team event for one year take all that pressure off man that sounds like fun so um there's a lot of there's a lot of all those positives go along with it and then it could be this teaser like what if there was a crossfit masters team event i mean a games team master's division if that was something that showed up in the next few years and you had to qualify as a team for master's games like that would be 
that'd be a pretty cool addition to expand everything that we have available to us as masters. You know, I, I can age up into 50 and once I'm 53, it's like, hey, I'm going team for two years. You know, like I'm done with individuals until I'm 55. That could be an interesting way to promote longevity in the sport and keep people engaged, you know? Well, the one, thank you for that perspective because it does give sure. me a different outlook on it. One, the pro that I see is it's also a feeder system. Those people right on the cusp of making the games give them some high-end experience on a competition floor. But the one con I see is we can't get the elite team stuff right. You know? <laughs> yeah. A lot of logistics. I, I would say that the Masters out, there were more people in the stands for the Masters than for the teams. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. From a spectator perspective, it's, yeah, it's weird at the games. You'd see that the place clear out. If there wasn't like, I mean, when Froning was on teams, that was it. It was, he bring, he drew his own audience, but it really cleared out for teams. And so from a spectator perspective, you're right. The teams is not, it, it's just, it's, there's so much, there's so much going on. You can't keep track of it. It's, it's too broad in the sport to know what's going on. Like, the final team event, you're like, okay, yeah, I want to watch that. That could be fun. Um, but it, it's just so funny because the experience of being on a team is night and day compared to being an individual. It's so much fun to be on a team. So, uh, yeah, I don't know how they navigate that bridge between like to no one without saying it like this, but, like, but people don't watch teams very much. But the experience of being on a team is so great. Um, maybe it stays a community event forever. I'm not sure, but um, I just know that, like, I'm doing my first team event at Wadapalooza, California this year. I can't wait to be on a team. It's it's going to be so much fun. I've got a couple of beefcakes on my team. These are like some legit athletes uh, that are that reached out to me and they wanted me to help round out their age group. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm the old guy. Um, yeah, we'll go out there and have some fun. As long as we don't swim in the Pacific Ocean, I'll be good to go. But I, I think the teams, yeah, I think there's a, a ton of there's a ton of fun being on a team. But yeah, that spectator experience is it's tough. The logistics of running a team events as well. I think the games gets a little creative, overly creative with their team events sometimes, like synchronized double unders. I Bob and Joe won't do that, right? They do they've got judges that need to manage a four-person team. Got to keep that stuff simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jamie, do you have anything to finish up with? No, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Y'all are great. This was fun. <laughs> As always, fun. we love having you on. We love your perspective. Um, we'll, we'll continue to do this through the season for sure. Yep. Um, yep. And before we go tonight, Jamie will be, and I will be back with Thursday Night CrossFit Talk with a special guest co-host, Carolyn Prevo, is going to be my crutch tonight, filling in for me there. And then um, tomorrow, Cheryl Nasso and I, my, new, my nutrition coach, and I are going to talk about everything I went through, what, where I am with my recovery, and all that tomorrow. So with that, stay tuned. Check us out. Jason, good luck on the season, and we'll stay in touch. With that, we will see everybody next time. On thanks guys. Find my mouse thanks, <laughs> on uh, the CrossFit or Clydesdale Media Podcast.
Energy, Extend, and Cellucor are delivering the most effective, best tasting, and highest quality products for you. Get 20% off when you use the code Clydesdale at checkout at C, the number four energy.com. That's C4energy.com. And now back to the interview. <laughs> 